Okay, you all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Welcome back to the B2C Lead Gen Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell, here with Simon Delaney. And you're listening to a special episode today as we are joined by an anonymous lead generator who is going to open the kimono on some of the subjects people never speak about. So we've agreed to keep his identity hidden. We've changed his voice, but for the purpose of conversation, we're going to refer to him as Rupert. Um, Rupert, thanks for agreeing to do this. Obviously, you can't tell us too much. Um, but just to start, could you give us just a rough idea of the kind of things, the areas you work or um, your, your kind of company size, that kind of rough background? Yeah, of course. Um, we operate in most of the popular verticals out there. Um, and as a business size, we probably turn over around a million pounds. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't you want to know from me there? No, that's is it um, uh, when you say the popular verticals? How are you actually generating leads? Is it um, is it all like landing pages and yes, would you use other methods, yes. right? Yes, yes, all landing pages. Yeah, great, brilliant. Well, yeah, let's. Um, I can't do my my normal small talk with guests because I'm trying to be so <laughs> conscious <laughs> of the things I can say. So we're going to just dive straight in um, and. To the to go back to the title, can you tell us some of your confessions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Feels the, like the Goonies. You know when they got the little fat kid and they went, "Tell us everything," and he was like, "In sixth grade, I did whatever." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rupert, carry on. No problem. I shall. I shall continue. Um, so yeah, I mean, some of the confessions. So. There's, I think, one that's a bugbear of mine is um, systems that claim to be all singing, all dancing, all solve all of your compliance problems. I'm not going to name names, but there are platforms out there that track and trace. And as a business, you are believed to be completely covered and you put your full faith in them, but they're not exactly foolproof as I know myself because I've got around it myself. Um, whilst I appreciate it does a job, it's not completely foolproof. And I think, you know, the customers who utilise platforms like that need to be aware that 99% of the time is always a way around things. Um, so everything is not as it seems, so to speak. Um, and in particular, it's the way, it's a middle, middle way, I would say, in between submitting a lead to your client, um, a way of checking what's happened, which in the main is great, but doesn't necessarily stop fraud, so to speak. Um, there's Having tested this and done it myself, I know I could submit age leads, no problem whatsoever, and they've been none the wiser at all. To them, they just think it was completely fresh and delivered exactly seconds ago when it's completely not the case. So it's not sort of fraud on like a bot or uh, no, no. on a bot or um, 
click farm is fraud as in or not we, we call it like low level deception so it's like a lead that was different in some way like collected at a different time or yeah um, absolutely okay and then uh so these the systems out there they're then meant to be able to like detect that and verify that and then but in reality you can get around it so this is um this is like the thing where a a lead buyer is is expecting leads to be generated in those office hours yeah um and then uh when they're not you have systems that can detect it apparently and you know verify but you've found a way um to go around them yeah i guess i guess the question is why do you need to go around them you don't necessarily need to. I think one of the issues that would make people want to do that is to do with time delay on caps. So obviously people within office hours. So personally, it's something that I don't necessarily agree with. I feel like they're missing out on a more ideal customer. So let's take life insurance as an example. Affordability is a big key thing, clawback, all this kind of stuff. The type of people you're going to get, particularly on social during the day, it's very rare that you're going to get that person that's your ideal customer because they're at work. So you tend to get the people with affordability issues, so the direct debit bounces, this kind of stuff. Whereas if you expand upon the outside of office hours, you're going to then attract a, a different class of leave in my in my mind. So. You know, you finish work, you, you're relaxing, you're looking at things, and there's a bit more. Um, they're not messing around, kind of thing with it. You're still going to get it, of course, but not accepting those leads outside of hours. And as as you know, when you speak about a lot, there's ways you can communicate with people to let them know that they will be called at a time, you know, when the offices are open. So there's no need to not do that. It's just that's what a lot of companies want because that's when their operating hours are. So, in, I mean, it's not something that as a company we do. It's just, um, you know, on a regular basis, it's just, I'm just pointing out the fact that there are ways around these platforms that make people, people feel safe and secure that what they're getting is absolutely genuine when it's not the case. And the, the, it's cheaper as well, right? Like, that's the other thing is that out of hours you can generate, if you're using like social networks, the, the clicks tend to be cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and, and the weekend as well. So obviously, it's considerably more competitive during the day because that's the prime time that everybody wants leads. So you know, there's, there's, it, it's all about having been able to have that relationship with the customer, though, which again is very rare, where you could be flexible on pricing. So if you were to deliver during the day, you could agree on X price, and if you're willing to take these leads outside, it can go up and down with you know, your own acquisition costs, because at the end of the day, what people want is longevity, not short-term gain. And what, um, are there any other sneaky little tricks and tips you've got that you use? I've guessed not tips, that's the wrong way to put it. Are there any other sneaky tricks that you can, like, um, so that's one way of getting around, like, technology um, that's meant to uh, verify, like, the authenticity of that the origination of that lead, I guess. Um, is there anything else like on the front end adverts? So for example, you know, you mentioned financial services. Uh, it, there's a lot around like the, the ads that are used with the FCA and stuff like that. Is there anything that you've done or seen or around that? 
Oh, I've seen lots of questionable things. Absolutely. Um, I mean, to run absolutely compliantly by the letter of the law, the acquisition costs are going to be higher than what people want to pay, 100%, to do things properly, because obviously there's no, not necessarily as good a hook, um, because obviously that's the key to getting people in and to your landing page, because, you know, how many of those people that take that actually put it in? You know, there's a lot of drop-off. So, um, but yeah, I've seen some questionable things and it's not something that, you know, we as a business do and deal in, but I've been stung with it myself, particularly on the affiliate side of things, where you find out, you know, when you're looking yourself on Facebook, you think, oh, wow, that, that's fucking awful. I hope that's, uh, I wonder who, what poor souls get in that. And then it turns out to be yourself. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's not ideal. And what um, what about like being FCA authorized or directly authorized or getting pa past that? Or um, if you're a appointed representative, is there any? Yeah. So in terms, in terms, there's no long term solution to it. I would say there's short term. If you have multiple ad accounts, for example, you can limit the exposure of being found in terms of running financial services ads by omitting certain keywords. You know, let's say life insurance, if you miss the word insurance out, replace that with cover, and you're not FCA in terms of the first round automated look at ads and ad text copy, etc. It's not going to get flagged, if that makes sense. But eventually, that will happen. But this is why people have so many different accounts to get around that. So as one goes down, they continue with another. Um, and it's very difficult. To manage because you know even from a buyer point of view if you had a direct relationship with a supplier and they've been open and shared with you their ad library what's to say that's the ad library they're even using yeah well that, we kind of covered that on a um a previous podcast or something where it's like people share ad libraries but um what people don't realize is the depth that those ad libraries go to as well and they'll just go surface level without going through every um ad set within each of the like headline ads that show that all might be completely different to what you're actually seeing or um yeah absolutely i mean there's no there's no benefit to running things in in the wrong way because you know relationships die quickly and you don't often get more than one chance with a, with a buyer so it, it, it's it's nonsense really to go down that route but obviously it does happen um depends on the buyer space because there's, there's those that just all they care about is volume but to get volume you've got to entice people so it can be in the gray i would say in terms of advertising where you could argue depending on which side of the fence you sit on as a person what you deem to be right or wrong if that makes sense um and the way you word things so yeah it's just it's not obviously ideal, but I think a lot of buyers, not, not all of them, some of them do their own advertising, so they have a good idea, but the buyers that don't generate leads don't understand the difficulties of, of doing so and the impact do minor changes make to the cost of the acquisition. And, and so some of the, um, some of those things that you've mentioned that happen, so you know either getting around systems or the ads that are being used and um you know you only find that after the fact and whatever else 
how much is that as like the lead buyer's fault it, or not fault but how much could they eradicate if they took lead the lead buying process more seriously or just didn't fixate on like a low cpl or something i think um if there, if there was a bit more of an open back and forth complete you know as it says on your board beyond your transparency then there would be less need to go down these routes because obviously all business both ends of the scale need to make money to continue so if um if there's an open dialogue where we can be transparent and in terms of the money being made etc etc and they're open to that there's no reason to run these kind of rogue ads because you can be honest and say look this is what it's costing i'm not overcharging you this is just the reality of the situation um, and work with people to improve the journey and i know you, you know, listen to a fair few of your podcasts you go into about people understanding the other side of the fence you know i'm, I'm a lead uh, provider but i need to understand my lead buyer's journey and how they pitch to make sure that that's aligned otherwise but without this two-way communication that's never going to happen yeah and um see so, uh, yeah i guess they they could control it in some senses what what's your experience with lead buyers in terms of like you know we've spoken about some of the activity one way what what has happened to you like have you had any bad experiences with lead buyers or i don't think there's enough internet bandwidth for that conversation to happen to be honest there's it, there's been a lot of things that have gone wrong, you know, liquidation, which can't be held business is business. So you obviously there's a lack of payment, which has a big impact. You know, you've already committed ad spend, you're out of pocket, you know, for people on terms and stuff like this. So you're massively out of pocket, which affects you, especially if somebody's taking a huge volume. You know, you could be out of pocket hundreds of thousands of pounds in a matter of a day when they've stopped and we've just disappeared. Um, but there's also the other side where people reject leads for reasons that you don't really know, if that makes sense, because they're very, it's just, yeah, I'm going to send you an email with these 500 leads on that we're not accepting, but why? Oh, because the duplicates. Are they? Because they weren't when I sent them to you, but now all of a sudden they are. Well, yeah, it's against another supplier. Is that because that other supplier was cheaper than I am and therefore you'd rather pay them instead of me? It's, um, that in itself is, is frustrating because as you know, if, if you're doing, if you're running advertising campaigns and not making a high margin, rejection of one lead takes away your margin of, say, let's 10, 15 leads. So it has a huge impact. So you obviously want to minimise that as much as possible. But some people are very reluctant. It's just that's just the way it is. It it kind of reminds me of um, someone that asked me, "Why do I need to hold my suppression files of customers or do not call lists in your system? Why can't I just hold it in my own?" And I was like, "Because when a lead generator sends a lead in and you're buying it, you're not going to be rejecting that lead when they send it. You're going to have to be doing it after the fact. And what yeah. they want to know is whether you're rejecting it." instantly because they're going to get the first response back and if you don't have a webhook or a way of sending rejections back quickly the likelihood is they're thinking you bought that lead yeah exactly and if you've got multiple buyers and it was a duplicate within seconds you can send it to somebody else yeah 
you know, there's that there's lost revenue that side too in terms of tech setup that the buyers have. Um, but yeah, in terms of effects on us as a business, there's been a considerable amount in terms of non-payment and stuff like that. And it makes you very edgy about working with people because there's a lot of trust. I understand there's a lot of rogues, but there's also rogues on the buy side as well. And people rip you off. It's not all about lead gen people being bad. Um, so it, it, it is a, a game of trust initially. Um, and, you know, you can be talking considerable amounts of money, which could ruin a business in truth, depending on how far that, get, that goes. Do you credit check the buyers before you work with them? Yes. Thank you. There's there's been um, times where we haven't done it on good faith, you know, based on the relationship today. Somebody may have been paying pro form or got a good relationship and then poof, disappeared, gone. And because I always find that a bit strange that somebody who consistently pays pro form all of a sudden wants terms because other people are doing it for them. It just shows issues around cash flow. But we've learned that the hard way. Um, so, you know, it's, life is a lesson, isn't it? So I think um, I want to sort of look at this from the perspective of the buyer and get your opinion and say, is fraud or deception a lot worse than they currently realise it is? And what should lead buyers be wary of and looking out for um, that the, the rogues that you speak of might be doing? Um, I, th I think it's very difficult to control from a buyer point of view as it is from a lead generator point of view, particularly if we were to look at from an affiliate side for a start. You know, the buyer regardless of how they're set up, they can do things the right way, they've got the suppressions, they're talking back and forth on webhooks, all that tech side of it's perfect. They're tracking, you know, using systems that track the landing page and give you a screenshot of the privacy policies and all this at this point in time. But there's, I don't think there is in existence something that can cure it or just stop fraud completely because fraud can be many things it can be fraudulent traffic bot traffic it can be people doing just committing fraud themselves in terms of double selling leads triple selling leads this kind of stuff selling your leads that you collected six months ago just to boost volumes because you're a bit low and it's it is difficult and i appreciate why there's a lot of um worry i suppose when it comes to working with a new lead supplier because i'm sure Pretty much every new buyer has been burned by somebody, whether that just be on performance or let down on false promises, etc. Um, but I, I, I genuinely don't think there is a way at all that some, a lead buyer can be 100% confident in what they're doing unless they just do it themselves. And what, um, what about like getting feedback from buyers? Is that a because a lot of people I speak to is like a big problem, they just struggle. Oh. With. It's a massive problem, yeah, absolutely massive problem. So, you know, you can you could be three hundred leads deep into a campaign, and then if you get an email saying all oh, these these are crap, I'm switch it off like immediately. I'm like, well, do you not think you, sh you should reply to the many requests I've given about getting a report 
oh, so-and-so's not here, knowledge tape we've got a lot on. I don't see any reason at all to not do it because it's costing you money, isn't it? You know, tech-wise, we're set up to be able to take that real time, and I'd love to do that because it allows you to be proactive. But the it, it, it's very rare, one in a million chance you get somebody who'll work with you in that way. And, and again, in another way, I suppose that's a bit of a red flag for me because why wouldn't you want to do that? Because it's massively beneficial to you as a lead buyer. Um, you know, I can be completely proactive then in terms of my targeting. If I'm seeing certain leads are getting rejected, affordability, this, that, or the other, you know, wrong details, all this kind of stuff, you can look at that at a glance and see where the problem is instantly and resolve it within reason. Obviously, it might not be that clear, but you know, you can be you can be a lot more effective, and then you're not having to have these horrible conversations after three weeks of running dragging up spreadsheets, finding out it's not got the references you need to actually map it back because it's their own internal lead ID, not the lead ID you've been passing that makes life much easier. You know, there's, there's so much that could be improved on that side. But yeah, it is a huge problem because the more feedback you get, the quicker that you get it. It just makes life so much easier. It's funny, isn't it? Because I, <clears throat> like personally, I just talk about stuff constantly on LinkedIn. The amount of buyers that approach me is like, you know, very, very few, I would say. Um, but it's interesting because what we're really talking about is them eradicating like more issues, increasing their conversion rates and reducing their overall cost just by feeding information back. But you have to have the system. I think it's like a system issue. And a lot of them just will not invest in systems because they don't, it's, a, it's, it's funny, I think it's almost like a short-term mindset on the buy side, where it's like they just see the outlay of money, not the increase in conversions they're going to get. So, for example, we just started working with a new client um, who's working with some really big brands, and they're selling leads to one of these massive brands. And they just There's no rejections or anything. Yeah. But they know that some of the leads have generated are bad because they've, um, you know, and they've found out via other means, other clients or something. But yeah. I just have clients that there's zero rejections. They could probably reject 25% of the data and instead it's just polluting their CRM. I just, it's like, I find it absolutely mind boggling. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It, it is crazy. I mean, I've, I think only once I've been in that situation where they've just blindly accepted everything. You know, well, we'll just we'll take a punt on it. You know, if we get duplicates, we get duplicates. It's not going to be that bad. Or if it's poor, it's poor. And I don't really want to work in that way because they're not understanding how to get the best out of this at all. You know, it, we're not talking small money. It's not penny data. This is you know considerable amount of investment. So you know, if you can have, if your CRM can't do it, get something in the middle that can whether it's something like you've got all the others in the market, you know, just to be that go-between to enable yourself to do that. Um, so like but, the three, the 300 leads you mentioned, what would the, I'm getting these, your leads are like 30 pounds each. They could be 40 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the vertical. Yeah. So yeah, so it's an considerable investment. Yeah, it is. That's it. Super. We're, um, 
we're coming to the end of your time in the uh, proverbial confessional box. Um, before before we go today, is there anything else that you uh, wish to confess before before we absolve you? Is, it, is this just strictly to do with new generation? Or is it just generation? <laughs> um, I don't mean like editing that much, so you can tell me whatever you want, I'm going to leave it. <laughs> it's an open forum. <laughs> um, no, not really. I think you covered everything off. It's just, yeah, I don't think people really understand without being on the battlefield side of things how, how much negative things can happen, how easy it is to do how difficult it is to manage. And, you know, it's one thing generating leads, but the management of them is another kettle of fish. It's, 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 it's a very uh, yeah, difficult industry. And I appreciate that uh, Bi is probably a very scared to work with new suppliers. But um, yeah, I've got no other confessions, which are, pleases me to be honest, because if I had a lot more, it'd make me quite a bad person, wouldn't it? But it's been no. nice. It's been nice to be able to, you know, talk about some issues that you kind of hold in um, that you know happen in an open forum because you know it doesn't. It's never you never get the opportunity, or you're only going to do yourself down by doing so. So, yeah. One last question I want to ask before you go is: Well, what what could lead buyers, other companies, or brands, whoever it is, advertisers that you sell leads to? do to make your life better so that you know you can work with them in a better way I guess I think we've already touched on it already but feedback is a massive part you know real time if possible if everybody did that it'd be fantastic you can optimize everything problems get solved before they come problems to them um patience you know it's, it's, it's quite I appreciate patience costs you money, I suppose, in what we're discussing here, but if a lot of people are quite short-sighted and have views on, it could be, I just need 50 leads a day, but you need 50 leads a day based on what you've been previously buying. What you might need from me is 15 leads a day to get the same return. Therefore, you're not paying as much, but you're making more money. Um, so it's... A lot, you know, there's a lot of short-sightedness when it comes to, especially with a new relationship, you know, with low test volumes that don't really en enable you to um, give a fair reflection of all the different elements you can do, whether that's different channels, you know, Google, Facebook, native, whatever that may be, email at, at lower cost, you know, there's, there's a number of different options available. Um, varying different prices and different performance parts and you know there's times when we make a loss on a certain channel because whilst we get channel a for cheaper channel b is really expensive but it kind of keeps the consistency of the campaign going um but to, to, to most buyers that's not a problem it's just i want it at this price and i need this many leads so yeah patience and feedback and communication is just the trident of happiness <laughs> that's uh, brilliant yeah the trident of happiness <laughs> it's nice that uh, a nice a nice way to end it um before i'm going to take this opportunity to say we want to do a flip episode to this um so if you're a lead buyer out there who has uh done done some things you want to confess to us uh with the same anonymity um 
by all means, we'd be very happy to do that episode too. But in the meantime, Rupert, thank you so much for joining us and for being so open. Um, you've been a fantastic guest. And we appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.